This is a black boy, what you gonna do out here on your own? This is a black boy, don't you remember that don't want you grow? This is a black boy, what you gonna do when you try to get old? This is a black boy, this is a story that ain't never told. This is a black boy, what you gonna do out here on your own? This is a black boy, don't you remember that don't want you grow? This is a black boy, what you gonna do? Okay, so this is Leroy Moore, Black Disabled Men Talk, and this is our show, and we try to do it once a month. This is going to be for March, and the topic is, um, what is Black ableism, and what's the difference between being disabled and being politically disabled. So we're gonna go around, introduce ourselves, and um, before we get into the topic, of course, we're gonna talk about public enemies' um, latest um, news. So let's go to what did I say, <laughs> Keith? Was oh, it Keith first? No, it's it's Otis. Oh, uh, Otis. Otis. <laughs> Otis. Sorry, sorry, Otis. It's all good. Um, hey family, my name's Otis. I'm an African-American artist or graphic designer out of um, California, Wonder Valley, California. I'm also a comic book creator and a poet. And right now, I'm finishing up a book. I'm planning on presenting, addressing how African spirituality has become a new prosperity gospel. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. And um, I, I didn't introduce myself, so I'm going to jump in before Keith. Um, Leroy Moore here from Berkeley, California. Activist, author, um, radical activist. I don't believe in progressive BS. But um, yeah, author, um, Quip Hop founder, and that's it. Peace. Well, my name is Keith Jones. I'm an activist, entrepreneur, public speaker, slash, slash, slash. Um, also, co founder of Quip Hop. I'm currently working on 911 million different projects all at the same time that all have deadlines like yesterday. But, um, uh, the one thing that I'm glad we're doing this because right now, this is a very interesting time. Even though public enemy is sort of like an off topic, it really goes to the heart of what we're going to talk about today. So, Latif, you ready? I am Latif McLeod and a man with cerebral palsy with radical politics. I currently am a PhD student in the Anthropology and Social Change Program at California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. I just published my second poetry book, Whispers of Crip Love, Shouts of Crip Love, and is available online or directly through me, and I'm happy to be here speaking to you gentlemen. That's what's up. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're all here. And the first um, topic is the latest of Public Enemy, um, you know, hip hop group, black, um, black hip hop group from the 80s. And, you know, the topic is, of course, everybody knows that Chuck D fired Flavor Flame. So I, I wanted to bring this up because I think I think it's important um, for what we're doing as black to say what man. And I just want to get your um, views on that, you know, before we go to the main topic. So I'm 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 gonna say my views until later. So Keith. No. <laughs> Geez, what I hear you because I know um, we we did an interview with with you, Keith, and you talked about your early days in hip hop, and you oh. talked about meeting Chuck D. So oh. now the, the the cycle has turned back around. So Keith, you want to take it away? No, I don't. See how you do me. See how you do me. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't, so to, to be fair, I, I don't really know the entirety of why Flavor Flav initially sent the cease and desist. Now, that being said, so whatever, whatever the political or whatever the back and forth is beyond that, that's not my concern. What is quite interesting is that the brand of public enemy is what? So for you to be at a Bernie Sanders rally, who who and either and and full disclosure, I felt the burn in twenty sixteen because I wasn't running, but now I'm here. So that's a different, it's a whole different game. And when you can come out and you can talk about you're not down for reparations, you're making these kind of statements, yada yada yada, whatever whatever. But both of you all, as much as I like Bernie, well, understand you know and agree with him on a lot of things you all are still functioning inside an antiquated static system that is not going to radically address the problems that are facing Black America. So if that's your brand, public enemy, then you need to hold to their brand. So I don't really understand the whole, like, like you may, because he's like, nah, don't be putting my face up there. Like, I mean, he has that right. But at the same time, um, it, it, it's a reflection on how Joe Biden now all of a sudden is the man. Because black people ran behind Joe Biden in South Carolina. So the shift of, so every four years, you Negroes become important. Meanwhile, day two, three, four, five, and a hundred, how many have been shot dead, incarcerated, wrongly convicted, yada, yada, yada and in 50 years of my existence. So to watch Chuck D, fire flavor Flav, for whatever the reasons are, it, 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 it is, it is, you know what it is? It, it is absolutely what I would expect after I met him. Cause of course he would do that. Of course he would. Like it's, an, it, it's, it's performance art. I mean, there may be some true Chuck D in there, but like, if y'all really want to talk about some damn revolution, your song was shut them down. Shut them down, shut them, shut them down. 
So now you shut you shut down Flavor Flay. You didn't shut down Flavor Flay when he was doing Flavor of Love on VH1. So now you're gonna shut. Come on, man. But whatever. So I need mean, just to wrap it up. I think it is indicative of what black quote progressiveness is in terms of politics, in terms of social integration. And in terms of where we see ourselves, particularly those with a voice or a platform. So why, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you, Keith. Otis, you wanna take this one before I go? You're new. Otis, your mic is off. Can y'all hear me now? My bad. Yes. I'll try. I'm not really a public enemy fan like that, so I don't have a whole lot of foundation to pull from. But one of my biggest issues is it shows how much influence celebrities have over Black political analysis. And to me, that's my biggest beef with it. Like, I feel like public enemy, nor Flavor Flav, should have such a huge stage in regards to shaping how we understand politics. I felt the same way about Beyonce and Jay-Z when it came last year, well, not last year, but 2016 when they was riding for Hillary Clinton. I felt the same exact way. Celebrities should not be able to, I mean, even if your history is making quote unquote black radical music, how it may be, you still shouldn't be political commentary. You can have some type of say and we can hear you out when it goes to shaping the collective understanding of politics. I don't agree with it. And I can understand both sides of the field. Like one people say, well, Bernie Sanders is the less evil out of all of them. And you could have some type of progressive policies in order to alleviate some of the problems that the people face commonly. I can understand that. And then I can understand the other side where no matter who gets in office, you still go have exploitation, you still go have genocide, you still go have Fortune 500 companies swallowing the people. So I, I can definitely understand both sides. Um, but yeah, I think Chuck D and I think Flavor Play, they have too much of the spotlight in regards to black political analysis. Okay, thank you, August. Um, I'm gonna go in Latif, okay, Latif? Yeah. So I I think, you know, exactly how Otis thinks. I mean, I don't I don't care what Chuck D thinks, I don't care what the place thinks. I never care what um Jay Z thinks. You know, I mean I really don't care. Point point blank, and um, you know you're gonna throw away a whole group for Bernie for a white man. <laughs> you know it's like it, it's like it's yeah yeah you know at first when when I heard about it and I heard all the um, hoopla, I was like, all right, you know, play the play some all for some like. <laughs> <laughs> All stuff 
in the past. Like, like, like Otis said, you know, somebody said, you know, you know, when he was on MTV, you know, that, that, that right there would, 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 would cut him off. I was like, come on, you, we, we suddenly have black, you know, quote unquote, radical group, you know, on MTV. You know, so, so yeah, my, my thing is like, I don't care what they, what, um, what Public Enemy thinks, you know, I really care what, what the issue is, you know, Bernie Sanders hasn't come out for reparations, you know, you know, when, when it comes down to it, of course, you know, if it's Bernie, uh, Donald Trump, I, I gotta, hold my nose and and pull that lever and come back home and take a shower. <laughs> but, but but do you have to? Cause that's the paradox, right? Like do like do you have to? Because every time we get to a pressure point in the country, people default back. And one of the crazy things about it is that 49% of the country did not vote of voting age. 49%. So, and, 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 the, and if you think about it, oh, oh we're not watching politics. We, <laughs> dude, we're watching American Idol, dog. We, we like, you know, that's like, so people are casting votes via Twitter. So, <laughs> I didn't even cut off. It's just like, I, because no, nobody cares about what Chuck D says anymore. Because if you're going to stand up and have a political rally with a mainstream candidate, when you literally were talking like your entire brand is revolution. Mm-hmm. This is not revolution. This is Bernie Sanders working, in, working within an established political yeah. structure in order to attain something. Yeah. Versus real revolution, where I'm going to run an independent candidate be an independent campaign, and this is this is what it is. That's democracy. This mm-hmm. bullshit with them. I think it's kind of funny though, because you're right. Like you was on MTV with Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Latif, it's all it's all you. I just heard of this breakup now. But I am thinking, why just now when Flavor Flav was shocking and jiving all this time on reality TV? What was the impetus again? Was it because Flavor Flav did not want to support Bernie? Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure. Like, I, I wasn't even paying attention to, like, I was just minding my best. They were like, <laughs> Flavor Flav got fired. Like, what? How do you, like, that's like the, You've been a group for nine hundred thousand years, so over the, so I whatever to be here, but apparently it's it's around the Bernie Sanders rally and the Public Enemy performance. Um, Leroy, what like what is it? Like he didn't want. Yeah. So so you know, um, Bernie used Public Enemy's I don't know song or something. Um, for his rally, and um, Flavor Flav said, "Yo, you can't do that because I'm not down with Bernie." <laughs> and Chuck D says, um, "I own PE, so I can put PE's name into anything." 
Yeah, Chuck D said, yeah, and Chuck D fired. Um, who's a play? So that, that, that's the issue. That's just, no, I'm sorry. But isn't that like the antithesis of the image of the rebel group <laughs> public image? Like, that's a corporate America move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a corporate America move. That's not, that's not we got three decades worth of, and legitimately, it was a symbiotic relationship because as tough as your lyrics was without your hype, man. It's just it's safe to say public enemy would not be public enemy without without the iconic Chuck D and the iconic Flavor Flow. Yeah. So, you know, I, whatever. But you know, yeah. I guess I guess I guess I guess your your blackness has an expiration date. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last words on this little TV. If you have any last words and we can go on to the to the main course. No. All right. So, you you, you want to say something before we go on? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say this is why it's important that we define words, and that's why I'm so big on it. Like define what progressive is, define what a revolution is, define what socialism is. Because when you don't define words, then anybody could come and hijack it and market themselves as that. Like for example, I seen a video where they was contrasting Dr. King um, talking points and contrasting Dr. King political analysis with Bernie Sanders political analysis. And to me, it was a watered down version of what Dr. King was talking about or what Dr. King was speaking about. It was saying how Bernie Sanders and Dr. King rhetoric against rallying against capitalism and rolling against people like Trump. But it's so selfish level, because Dr. King was talking about the establishment itself, not just the individual. And when we're talking about Trump, we're talking about an individual. Dr. King was also talking about race and forcing the American government to um, assist in, the, in fixing the damage they created via a shadow slavery, via yeah, Jim Crow. Feel me, Bernie Sanders is not talking about reparations, though. So I'm not saying that I'm not going to vote for Bernie Sanders because you're not talking about um, giving black people reparations. I'm saying I don't like, quote, unquote, liberals borrowing our black revolutionaries and borrowing bits and pieces and bits of soundbite from them and then using that to market Bernie Sanders. I feel like Bernie Sanders should be able to stand by by himself. And if he's your hero, then allow him to be that. Be your hero. But you don't need to water down our revolutionaries to fit your agenda. So that's why I really don't like, like I don't like them taking sound bites from our revolutionaries and from our heroes to market their agenda. Because if anything, we could talk about um Dr. King letter from Birmingham jail when he said. It was the white liberals and the white centrists who was a bigger issue than white races was. So if you really want to talk about Dr. King, let's talk about the whole gamut of what Dr. King was saying. I feel like this right now with them rehashing Dr. King is why we got such a watered down version of a lot of our revolutionaries that we do now, like Flagler Douglas, like W.D. Du Bois, 
and like Dr. King. Feel me? I feel like this more contributes to the misinformation than it does benefit us. Like right now, it feels good to say, but later on, our kids gonna have this misunderstanding like we do now of what our black revolutionaries was really saying. Like for example, they were saying fast fascism is here. Um, George Jackson was saying that in the 1960s, 1970s. It took white people 2020 in order to figure out fascism has finally arrived. But our revolutionaries already said that. They have already told us this 60 if not 100 years ago. But because we listen to the white liberals and we allow them to regurgitate some watered down talking points from our revolutionaries, we think it's brand new. We think it's radical. So I just think it's, this shows why it's crucial for us to define what is revolution and what isn't revolution, what is a revolutionary and what isn't a revolutionary. Amen, amen. And thank you, Otis. So can, can we go on to the main topic? Is it okay with people? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the main topic, I'm really psyched to get into this. You know, one is, what is black ableism? You know, we, we like like always said, you know, we need to really define our terms and define um what is happening to us. So what is ableism? You know, why why have have it, you know, been popping up? Um how is it whole holding us back, you know, and what is the difference between just being disabled, you know, compared to being politically disabled. So these are the terms that I um, came up with um, earlier this year and really wanted to hash it out, especially for our Black disabled community. So that's the introduction. Who wants to dive into it first? Or do do you want me to um to to dive in it or you know what 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 do we we want to do first? You could jump in it, fam. With all your lead. Okay, so for 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 me and I hope for the rest of us, black ableism is just uh, like like it says, black ableism. You know, ableism is a discrimination toward disabled people, and you put black in front of it, dealing with black disabled people. Well, it's a difference between white ableism and black ableism because we we have a whole history of um, you know slavery, you know oppression, and because we uh, you know this, this this is only my um, inter- interpretation, so please you know give yours, but the because of the white master, um, you know, influencing us, 
for beating us into our in, out of our identities into their identities. You know, unfortunately, I, I think that we took up, you know, some of the master's ways. And because of that, um, we took up their their views on disability. And, you know, in, under slavery, it was, you know, you're dead if you're, if you're disabled. That's point blank. If you can't work the fields, you're dead. And, you know, and, you know, because of Christianity, you know, all about the, the healing and the sins and all that stuff. And I think that the black community is still, is still holding or still, um, still having this black ableism because we never enjoyed our we could not enjoy the white disability rights movement because of racism. So, so black ableism for me is one, of course, attitudes, you know, discriminating attitudes against black disabled people, but also it's the outdated uh, framework that we took from um, white masters around disability, and we're still holding to that now. So that's that's only me, but I'm gonna shut up and let and let people talk. Um, who who wants to go next? Letty. The black community has to face the fact that it has a problem with ableism. The black community in America still has a lot of misconceptions about disabled people and disability community. Because of these misconceptions, the black community often unintentionally have obliged interactions with black disabled people, with black people of an older generation, like the boomer generation, they grew up without living with many visible looking disabled people in their community. By time their community was more accessible thanks to the American Disability Act and disabled people started to live in the community instead of institutions thanks to the Olmstead Act. The boomers and older generation X was used to live in a disability free society so they didn't know how to interact with us properly. So currently we have misconceptions and fear in the black community that we have to combat with disability justice education and more interactions between us and them. We also need to consider that people in the African American community have consumed propaganda that shown disabled people in a derogatory light. Also since the days of American slavery, Black people were mislabeled as all having intellectual disabilities in an attempt to justify enslavement and white supremacy. I think in the black community's attempts to prove our intelligence and ability has led some of the black community to distance themselves from black people with intellectual disabilities and other disabilities. So we also have to be cognizant of that social dynamic. Yes, thank you, Latif. Keith, you you were jumping in before Latif. You, you want to go next? 
Oh, sure. I was just, I was, wasn't jumping in. I was just saying, preach, preach, because it's fact. It's not, one, one, one of the random things about the fact that you even have to coin the term black ableism is because it actually exists, right? So it's not, so it's not, it's not that we're sitting here and being hyperbolic. So Latif experienced it, Otis experiences it, you experience it, I experience it. And then we go and do this work. And then people are shocked that when we show up at certain events, oh, like if you go to a black church, they want to pray, they want to pray to heal you. So the contradiction that you ask is, but if God don't make no mistakes, and this is what I have, why are you trying to take away what God gave me? If I'm using your logic, right? So is there black evilism? Hell to the yes. That ain't even like, like that's not even, you know, because within the community, and it's a weird kind of dynamic too, because it's like within your family, it's, it's kind of ableist, but it's not because you family. <laughs> but, you know, but if you see a bunch of us, then you don't want to hang with us. But you'll hang with your cousin, right? Like, my cousin ain't like them, right? <laughs> like, like, because you're offended to what, what the people are talking about, the, the stereotypes of what a disabled person is. Like dating as a black man, Wanting the baby black woman, with or without a disability. So now the con- now the, the 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 compounding of the stereotype about black men, and what you stereotyping about disability, and the fact that you are being unconsciously prejudiced towards my human condition, and we black, and we you supposed to be my queen, I'm your king. Up until I got a pair of crutches, <laughs> then, then you came up with me. Like, come on, man. Like, oh, yeah, no, black man, I honor you. I love you. Oh, there's nobody. Wait a minute. What do you mean, Latif, you want to go out on a date? What do you mean, oh, that you want to, like, uh, like, oh, black man, Leroy, wait, um, we can be, we cool, right? Um, so, and then turn around and then be pissed at the same time, like, well, you know, that's why he dated a white woman. Ah, uh, see, because what's, what's the old adage? All the good black men were what? Dead, gay, or in jail. On that. And they don't talk about black men. But if you're talking about ableism and how that works, it's because they, they, they look at us and say, I, can, I can't see myself with a man with a disability. And this is even women with disabilities. <laughs> like, I'm a black one, like, yeah, y'all, let me holler at you. Um, like, what do you mean? And then you catch yourself reverting into the get nice. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so it, it, it's nuanced because it's interwoven in, in our daily existence. Because as much as we try to push and be pro black, we have, I, at least I have not seen a lot of people who are conscious of their own biases and work to overcome those biases. And so if you, my family loves me to death, but they are very much ableist when it comes to certain things. And it's not because they, it's not because they don't love me, that's just the, the, the stew that we're cooking in. So. Hmm. 
Oh, yeah, take it away. Um, yeah, I definitely had them experiences with it. When you got that pass to come up, we're going to pray for your healing. I know, actually, that's what got me into advocates for charity because it didn't make sense. Like, okay, I'm what, 29 years old? Back then when it happened, I was probably like 21. I'm like, if God really wanted me to be born differently, why he didn't fix me in the womb? Like, that seemed like an ass-backward strategy. I'm going to wait until you come out. I'm going to wait 21 years or 25 years after the fact. I'm going to wait until this random-ass guy lay hands on you, and then I'm going to miraculously heal your body. Like, that just... <laughs> and it didn't make much sense to me, and that's when I started questioning stuff. And then one of my favorite experiences was when... I remember the movie. I went to go see Megamind with my family, and there was this elderly brother who was sitting on the bench in the hallway and he came to me he said excuse me young brother you know why you in a wheelchair i'm like no nah, i'm about to entertain you he said because either you or your parents did something effed up in a past life yeah uh, you, you know how that <laughs> oh my god man oh my god man so it's not just me then no no it didn't yes work. yes <laughs> then he wanted to pray for me Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it was like, it seems so superficial. And that's why I go with what Dr. Amos Wilson said. All of these isms, ableism, sexism, racism, all of them are like branches on a tree. The tree itself is white aggression, white domination, and colonialism. You mm -hmm. could attack these branches all day long but new branches will grow in its place. So the culture we exist in is the ableist culture. Like, I don't know if y'all remember, but in what, 2008, when the 2008 economic collapse happened, who did they blame? They blamed the elderly and the disabled. Oh, yeah. I, was yeah. I was like, y'all don't remember before March on um, Wall Street, you had all them disabled people out there marching for yeah. their benefits because they was one they were blaming the baby boomers and they were also blaming the disabled people for soaking up so much of quote-unquote ssi and social security <laughs> and people will be looking at me like oh you get that once in a month check i know you got paper i'm like i promise you i don't want to see none of that money <laughs> by the time the bill come it's all gone you feel me so people look at me like you got paper <laughs> <laughs> Who told you this? <laughs> and it be a lot of it be them, them stereotypes in movies and stand-ups. You know them stand-ups where I'm gonna go find me a disabled man, someone on SSI, cause at least they got a guaranteed check coming in in the mail once a month. Right? It's not like that, player. It's not like no, that. I, I promise you it ain't like that. Like, because if it was, do you think we would be rolling down the street protesting? No. Like, come on, man. Come on. That, that's the culture we exist in. I mean, the, the U.S. government threw all disabled people under the bus. The issue wasn't the banks. The issue wasn't the wealthy 1%. The issue wasn't the um, corrupt housing authorities the issue was you had too many disabled people on social security yeah the issue. 
And people ran with it. People that tells you how much ableism exists when a lie like that could be so easily gobbled up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I, 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 want, I, want, I want to share a story. I, in, in like 1979, 80, me and um, three other black disabled teenagers, our free teenagers, we, we did a letter campaign before computers. <laughs> And we wrote, we wrote to the NWACP, Urban League, Jesse Jackson, Rainbow Collection, you know, everybody, you know, Black Panthers, everybody. And we, we all said, you know, where are Black disabled people? And we got phone letters back saying that there's nothing out there. Mm. And this was 1979, 1980, you know? It's like, wow, now I'm 52 years old. It's like, what has changed in, our, in the black community around disability? You know, you know, black ableism, I mean, that's like tying our hands together when we're disabled already. And, you know, we, I don't know. You know, we, we had all this, you know, disability studies, women's studies, black studies, and you show up to me and black and disabled and you was like, oh, there's nothing for me, you know? There's, there's nothing for me. I'm gonna graduate with this piece of paper and get, get on SSI and that's it. You know, I can't just knock on Black Lives Matter door because they, I had no clue about disability. You know, I can't go to the NWACP. You know, I can't go to my black radical put it on the corner. You know, so it's, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this, um, you know, at, at age 52, I just like, wow, this is it? You know, this is it? And, you know, I'm saying that, but I'm also saying that we are doing stuff, you know, you know, we are doing stuff. But if you look at the bigger picture, especially in this election year, it's like, wow, are you saying that we don't exist in the black agenda? <laughs> we don't no, exist in the disabled agenda. <laughs> so I got that shot. Latifa Keith. <laughs> Um, well, I'm just going to go with what you just said, and in terms of right now. So, no, there is no black disabled political agenda. So, are you politically disabled or black and just a black alien? You, it's your own. So, 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 it's it's a sliding scale, right? So, like, so like, it's a, so it's like, if you look at the scale, and it's like, okay. So you're either one thing. So it's like, okay, I'm politically on the margins. But then you say, okay, I'm black and I'm politically on the margins. I'm disabled, I'm black, and I'm full black disabled on the margins. So when, once you get to the, like, we're on the edge of the margin. So, like, if you're on the edge of the margins and the people who are on the margins aren't talking to you, then what does that mean? And it's not, like, and, then, and, and I guess, I'm, I'm sorry, or maybe a little bit but Leroy, 
How is it that every time we show up, people get shocked? Mm -hmm. Every time, every time, every time. Oh my God, Otis, I, I didn't know you were interested in, well, I mean, I would love for you to come to our event, but I'm not sure this would, but you won, you won civil rights. <laughs> you, won repar and you won reparations and you want to white men, but you can't do the fundamental core of social justice, which is fighting for every freaking human, which means that you should be conscious of black disabled people. At worst, you shouldn't be shocked when my black ass roll up in the wheelchair. Oh, I didn't know. Um, and then that's when they go find the, the entrance, but it's usually around the corner behind the dumpster. And then you got to do somebody has to go pick your wheelchair up and bring it in the door so you can get in. Yeah. Then down that road. And, and I honestly, like, every issue, every issue that the black community has come up, disability is, like, front and center, and they don't look at it. Okay, yeah. we talk about re 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 reparations. After slavery was quote-unquote done, but you say we were still slaves a decade later after that. Nobody talks about that. You know, and we, you know, we all talk about Black Lives Matter and, you know, police brutality. You know, I like, are you serious? This, this last week, we saw Black teens, little teens getting 5150 and went into the psych ward. You know, it's like, hello, that, that, that's not on your agenda, black agenda. <laughs> you know, black disabled kids are being in psych wards, you know, being called in by you know, school officers and not even calling their parents <laughs> taking them to the psych ward. You know, so I I just you know, it's it's just it's two thousand twenty and still black ableism is just it's just silencing us in all kinds of movements. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I can see both it being the good and the bad of black disabled people being left out of the quote unquote black agenda. Because I'll be honest, there is no black agenda. Like what we call a black agenda is really a white agenda with black faces represented. If anything, the 2020 elections have showed us is that all of these black people with titles and organization. They're all fronts. All it takes is one Mike Bloomberg with one paycheck. All it takes is one Elizabeth Warren. All, even Donald Trump got black support. I mean, so if anything, 2020 elections have shows that all of this quote-unquote black excellence we've been celebrating, it's a facade. It really doesn't mean nothing. And so I think us being left out of these illusionary black organizations because like the Black Caucus is not a Black organization. The Black DNC is not a Black organization. You got Black people in it, but they are not Black organizations. I think the one thing, the one good thing about it 
it allows us to shape our platform and to shape our own identity. Because most of these Black organizations are really integrationalist groups. That's why I really appreciate the Yada analysis. I also appreciate Dr. Jerry Ball analysis. Although they um, both disagree on this 2020 election, and I think they both have um, fundamental points that are very well articulated that I appreciate. But the reason why Diallo Kenyatta do not agree with feminism is because it has nothing to do with women empowerment and everything to do with putting women in a position so they can engage in colonialism, so they can engage in exploitation. And a lot of these quote, 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 Black groups do the same thing. It's about putting Black people in position so we can engage in colonialism, so we can engage in exploitation. LGBT communities groups do the same thing. It's about putting the LGBT groups in a place where they can exploit and where they can engage in colonialism too. So I feel like from the outside looking in, because I'm not a part of it, I can learn from it. You feel me? I can see where they slipping up. I can see why I can modify myself so I don't make them same mistakes. But again, being small do help because ableism is a big issue in our community. So to, in order to get over it, they'll usually carry me outside my wheelchair. Like, you small enough, let me pick you up and take you in. But I know everybody not as small as me, so you can't get away with doing that to everybody. You feel me? So I'm fortunate in that, right? So yes, ableism is a huge issue. But I think with us being excluded, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Issue. I think sometimes that black intellectuals and activists got used to having disability not on their radar that they cannot comprehend how to deal with the issue unless they are forced to address the issue. Yep. Yeah. Now the irony is you call them black intellectuals, right? So if you're an intellectual, this is not a hard <laughs> discussion. It's not. The, let's just cut the, cut the chase, okay? <laughs> if you are doing social justice, say it again for the people in the back that lack. You cannot half-ass it. I'm fighting for LBGTQ rights. Okay, well, here's my friend who's black, transgender, and in a wheelchair, and who uses communication devices. Wait, what? Oh, so now she not, so now she not part of your community no more. So which part, which part negated her LBGTQ? Was it the community? Was it the communication device? Was it the wheelchair that Trump her 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 identity? I'm trying to figure this out. So you cannot, so anybody in here, and let's all circle back for one second. If you are making a profit in social justice, mm. you are not doing social justice. And, and some people may just now, you do enough so you can eat. Because as much as I want criminal justice reform that my ass has slipped under a bridge, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't put no clothes on my kid back, right? But but at what but at what price faith, right? At what price 
justice reform. So for four articulate, intelligent African-American men, black men on this thing to be discussing these things in a millennia in which the debate of a major political party is foundational predicated for the black voter turnout. And yet they grandbabies, they, you know, because, you know, grandbabies, always, we always special. Our grandmamas love us to death. My grandmother carted me everywhere, and they always say, Mother Harold, can we pray for your baby? And because she was a descendant of a sharecropper, descendant of a slave, and here we are having discussions with Black intellectuals about one-fifth of the population. If you call them Black intellectuals again, we might have to have a fight. Because it's, because what does intellectual apply? It implies intelligence, right? That you have an intellect. So you should be able to take a new variable into the, the discussion, particularly when the incidences of disability are four times higher within the Black community. So I don't know how the hell they skipped over us. Well, you know, also that's the part of our educational system. Because we're getting these PhDs and it's only, you know, Cornel West can talk, you know, until Tuesday about black issues, but they don't have a clue about disability issues. You know, I confronted him years ago. No clue, and he still has no clue. Michael Eric Dyson. I ran, I ran into him at the DNC in Boston. And he's promising, he's like, yeah, they are. I'm going to get some education on that. 2029. So once again, our educational system forces us to specialize in one thing. And once we graduate and get head up on the head around other issues, also, we have Kim, Kimberly Crucial talking about intersectionality. Dude, come on. I know my mom was a woman in black and disabled. I don't need a PhD to, to say, oh, oh my God. In 2007, oh, this is new. Come on. Are you serious? Well, see, these are what you're asking. And this goes to what Otis had mentioned and what Latif had mentioned. But what you're asking and what we're asking people to do is to get beyond themselves, right? So the, the fundamental thing about, particularly if you have a visible disability, is somebody who doesn't have it or doesn't perceive themselves as having one so looks at you and says, but for the grace of God, they go out. <laughs> and when they look at you, that's why when you do something beyond like breathing, it's a miracle. Hallelujah, praise Jesus, the teeth look at you, you blink, thank you, Jesus. Right, right, right. And so when you get to that stage of the game, you just kind of fall back. So you're asking people to get beyond themselves. So to ask, to ask a person who has hit the jackpot in terms of being on the lecture circuit, the intellectual elite, and heavy, you know, and things like this, and I know I'm the go-to guy on, or the go-to lady, or whatever. In that, in that, and so academia is just as incestuous as Wall Street. It's just as incestuous 
and social justice. Why have you not seen emerging leadership come from the black community in the last 40 years? Why have you not seen the fact that the disability movement was predicated upon the civil rights movement? And you, that we claim everything else. The less some crippled people say, yeah, we took it. Well, let somebody, let, let Justin Timberlake sing, sing Marvin Gaye. They will burn down the radio station. But you talk about <laughs> social justice, silence, right? You talk about the fact that there's studies that, that we can predict your outcome by zip code. If you can present my outcome by zip code and then you turn to me and say, four out of 10 students with disabilities are substantially segregated. In 2018, the Department of Justice had to file a lawsuit against the state of Georgia for segregating students with disabilities. You can't tell me you're an intellectual. Mm. You cannot tell me you're well-versed on any political topic. And because you don't have the experience, well, Leroy, I'm not really able to discuss in depth about that. You don't know about housing. You don't know about Brown versus Board of Education, which is the fundamental bedrock tenet of Black education in this country. Mm. And how that relates to people with disabilities. So, no. The next time somebody says, I'm politically disabled. No, you don't don't do this because you if forty nine percent of the country does not vote, that means the other half are fervent addicts. I mean, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are religions now. They're not pragmatic, practical, problem solving political entities because there's no way you can get voted and elected. And I'd say. Hey, Otis, Flint still dying from poison water. I got an idea. Let's pass a law saying you can't kill the people with their own water. That problem solved, right? So if you want to be so why so I don't I don't really understand when they when they say we we're studying the issue, we're intellectuals. Mm-hmm. And well prove me wrong by, by coming up with a solution and don't have a debate about it. Mm-hmm. Latif, you want to jump in? My question is if the information is out there. And as a scholar who is in grad school, I know for a fact that the information is there. Why the fuck do these people not inform themselves on the available literature on disability? Now, Latif, now you know using logic is against the law. You cannot do that. You cannot ask a very obvious question that is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> because again, if you are a if you are a scholar on all things black, right? I'm just I'll just take the wild guess. And so at some point. You might stumble across disability. Maybe. Maybe in the blues. Mm. You had to listen to Stevie Wonder. <laughs> you don't know Ray Charles. Okay. You don't know Payway Willie. Everybody knew the, the local cripple in the neighborhood. You don't know. But you're a scholar. <laughs> and you're first on all things black. 
So that means, again, that you understand that the underpinning of Brown versus Board of Education was that if we let the Negroes go, they're going to want the cripples to go too. <laughs> so how do you not know? Huh. If you are an intellectual. Because, mm-hmm. then, because then the question then becomes, are you, are you just not versed because you just never had interest in the topic? But then again, you make a social commentary on things that, particularly if you're talking about police brutality, seven out of 10 of those people who are facing police brutality are people with disabilities. So how do you not know that if you're talking about police brutality? If you're talking about sexual assault, seven out of 10 women have some form of intellectual disability who are being sexually assaulted. If you want to talk about it, well, let's talk about it. But you can't skip over this. But again, you're being intellectual. So, but again, Keith, it's like I go back to the beginning is that the black community is still carrying the slave master's teaching. They still see disability as a sin, as something to overcome, or something to, 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 to just close close the door. They don't see it as a culture, they don't see it as a study, they don't see it as a history, they don't see it as music, they don't see it as nothing. I I guess guess one of the questions I would ask y'all is how are people okay because because it just like I get stuck at, at, at the level of stupidity that, like the level of stupidity, and it's not even like unintentional, it's chosen stupidity. So how do you get people to even uh, to appreciate the, the spectrum of humanity? Because in order for you to see me as a damaged human, you have to have a certain level where humanity has to be okay for you to consider us a human. So, I, so if by my human condition, I'm not worthy of you calling me a human, then you can segregate. Even as you are segregating white people, white people. So of course you're not going to use the healthy baby that looks good. You're going to use the crippled baby that came out with spina bifida. It's prime alligator baby. This is where we are. So how do you get black people to, 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 to accept black people? Black people don't need, you can't get black people to accept black trans people. They can't accept black, so how are they going to accept black disabled people? And then, and then what does it do? It's self-hatred. Because if you love your blackness, then you love every condition that it comes with. Whether you agree with it or not. But then again, you're being an intellectual. So, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yes, you and John? <laughs> um... Black people got to start looking at the world through our own eyes. Because, like, for example, education. I always say black people don't know what education is. Amos Wilson said there's no such thing as standard education, right? Because education, the function of education is to teach you how to wield power and how to govern the nation. That's supposed to be the function of an education. What we call education is... Uh, indoctrination system. 
It has nothing to do with empowering yourself or the root word of the education, meaning to pull out. It has nothing to do with pulling out your talents, with pulling out your humanity, with pulling out your, your own philosophy, your own understanding of the world. The only function the indoctrination system serves in the West is how much can we profit from you? How much education can or information can we or indoctrination can we give you so you could be profitable for the establishment? And since disabled bodies are not built to be maximum maximum um, utilities for the establishment, we're disposable, if you will. Mm -hmm. Feel me? Because that's all the West is about. You, the way I define you as a human is how much money you make. The way I define you as a human is how well do you contribute to the system. Like, for example, Dr. Um, Jerry Ball, he had this co-worker that wrote a book about how the HBCUs and the government connection and why the government is now investing in STEM programs in um, Black colleges. And the reason why the government invests in the STEM programs in Black colleges is to bring more Black people on board in creating technology. Not technology for the betterment of humanity, but technology for the improvement of the military. Feel me? So even Black people talking about, well, we want our kids to compete. We need our kids in the STEM program. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Build more effective weapons for the killing machine? Well, and, and this, this, and this, this goes back to the question. The question again, is how do you separate people from themselves? So I, one of the things that I, I would love humans who claim to be intelligent to do is to apply said intelligence. The government as it is structured, right? Because people are like, you can't fight the system. Well, the system is not an organic thing. Mm -hmm. It does not exist in nature. It is not, it is like, you don't, you don't wake up in the morning, go down there, <laughs> and go get a box of the system and throw it in the dirt and it pops the shit up. This is human construct mm -hmm. of the human policy that is directed to affect certain outcomes for certain individuals on the human, human continuum. And as long as people keep saying, well, the government gonna do it. Well, I'm gonna tell you that. Donald Trump can be a dictator. No dictator exists solely by sheer will. Everybody, they exist because those that support them see something beneficial in that dictator takes power. Trump, got away with what he's doing because Mitch McConnell and the entire GOP see that there's a benefit to keeping him in power. Mm -hmm. Disability is not seen as a benefit to any political power base or economic base. Therefore, there's, so the natural magnetic attraction in a consumer-based economy predicated upon racism and capitalism. We don't have anything they want. Like, Actually, we are the drain on the We are the antithesis of what they want. So, and if you remember the commercialism of self-hatred, why do you want to have your hair fried, dyed, laid to the side? That's not the natural state of black hair, right? So it's okay to have, want to have cosmetic traits, but if you're going to talk about blackness, you're going to talk about humanity, then 
don't say that we're the original and then cast off those who don't look perfect. We're the original humans, yes. Well, that means we came in every shape and form and fashion. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because if you go back in time, you know, black disabled people, you know, one, they led, they led, they led us to freedom. Harry Tubman was disabled. Yep. I mean, the whole music industry was worth of black blind men. So it's like, don't tell us that we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're not, you know, whatever, we're not worthy of being studied. We are the system, you know? And, and because of white um, settlers put capitalism all over this country, and say, okay, you are important, you are not important, then we fall into that same system. The, the, you know, like, like Keith said, you know, we, intelligence is intelligence. Intelligence doesn't come from an institution. Intelligence comes from critically thinking. You know, we, I, like, 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 like I said, we were that story about me and, and two other black little boys. We didn't do it for a school project. We did it on our own. Because we could critique the system. And I was like 10, 11 years old, you know? That's, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, yeah, I can, I can go on. And that preach, brother, preach. I, I, I don't mean to jump in. Y'all can tell me to shut up if you no, want. No, I, I, it, it's just one of those things because, like, like when you said it, you're like you a PhD student, which means you're in a quest for knowledge, right? Right. So that, like, like regardless of what the topic is, like, but, but I mean, like, you and like you doing your education thing, like, it's a quest for you to be smarter, to know more, right? Like, so if you're like, huh? Yeah. So, like, if you sitting here, so if I'm sitting here saying I want to be a policy guy about healthcare, I I have to know healthcare. I can't say I just want to know about, you know, the, the early stages of it or, or like urgent care. I need to know it from beginning to end. If you're going to talk about being a black, a voice for the black community, gay black kids with disabilities should not be voiceless. Single mothers with disabilities should not be voiceless. Homeless people with disabilities should not be voiceless. Kids who are trapped in the educational system, they literally warehouses them until they're 22 to ship them to into either A, abject poverty, or B, to the penal system. You should know this. And in the 2020 election cycle, everybody got a disability platform all of a sudden. I was crippled in 2017 when you was in the office. What happened? I, and oh, by the way, isn't your job as a senator to write the legislations in order to fix the problems facing our community? So why the when you run the president now all of a sudden you got a plan? All of a sudden now you 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 got a miracle solution because you sure ain't spending no money on school infrastructure. Mm you sure not spending no money on making sure that universities are universally designed so that we can age in place. you sure not making sure that we're not having 
health-related disabilities because our environment is being poisoned, you sure ain't doing that. Mm. And this is before you decided to run for president. Because all of this shit was here before we started. Mm. Yeah. My mind going a million miles an hour. Some of it's jumbo. But this is why I don't really care about Black History Month. I don't care about Black History Month because we don't celebrate Black empowerment. We celebrate Blackness utility for the white establishment. Meaning the first black so-and-so part of this white organization. Or like how Trump appointed that female black general, Matlock, yeah. as U.S. Marine general. Like, why is that part of black history? What does the U.S. Marine go do in the vested interest of black people? Or Obama, for example. What did Obama do in the vested interest of black people? Or Clarence Thomas. How is Clarence Thomas in U.S. Supreme Court doing anything for the vested interest of black people? Simply because they're black. And simply because they have a position and they have a title is what's celebrating. And for me, going back to education, education serves a particular function. It's to teach you how to operate and maintain your quote unquote status quo. So if the status quo is anti-black, then what you think these educated people go do? That's why I tell people like, read the books for yourself. Cause a lot of these black specialists, they ain't black special. Well, they are black quote unquote specialists, but they telling you a half truth. I tell people, if you want to know the truth, stay away from motivational speakers. They got, author, they got author facts. They, they got to take, they take outliers and make outliers look like general rules. So you have a hundred failed stories, but you're going to take that one success story and you're going to make that the status quo. And then you're going to say, well, look, this one person can make it and you can't, and all y'all doing it wrong. But no, a hundred people failed well before that. So why yeah. don't we, and that's how they do disabled people. You got one disabled motivational speaker. You got that one disabled person who got a couple of dollars in the bank. And then they look at you, why you ain't doing what that mm -hmm. disabled person doing, right? Why you ain't a motivational speaker like that? Okay, but how many oh disabled people are stuck in poverty? How many of them stuck in poverty though? Say it so, again, brother, say it again. Oh my God, Keith, you're so motivational. No, I'm not. I know motivation. Why am I motivating you? Why? Because you're looking at me going, oh my God, if his black cripple ass can get up and go do it, well, I know I can go do it. Is that the motivation? Is, is, me, is, is that it? That you're looking at me and going, you know what, man, his cripple ass is getting up and going to do this shit, then shit, I gotta get up and do it. I get that if, if that, if that If that's the impetus for you getting up, I don't want to be your motivation. If me having to confront you at a national political convention to stack the political agenda which will affect every aspect of my life, and I show up and you're caught off guard, you don't need to be involved in not a bit of decision making that has anything to do with anything. Sit your ass down. Because if you can look, I just I was just looking here. Right, they're talking about everybody supporting people are fracturing for Bernie. They're talking about Bernie versus Biden, but what about flavor failure, flavor flavor versus Jeff D? Like, this is the level of the discourse we're having, even though we started to show with that, that we gave it a deeper analysis. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't about Jeff D and flavor flavor, it's about how you, as a black person, are going to relate to a political establishment that in my 50 years, 
has never given us what they said they're going to give us. We have structural abject poverty. By every social metric, you see a negative trend line. And like you said, Otis, well, remember when Obama was in office and when Clinton was in office, we had Latif, we had joy, black people had, we had homes. We were, we were buying up neighborhoods and then we were doing it at inflated credit costs because we got blown out of the water with predatory lending. Mm. So no, I do not have faith that our intellectuals will be intellectual. <laughs> we're doomed. <laughs> no, you. When that um thing went over and Gail and Snoop Dogg popped off, oh, and then I see these phone called black intellectuals spending oh, weeks, weeks <laughs> on this dumb, monotonous conversation. Yeah. Like you're a black intellectual, you got a whole lot more fish to fry than this schoolhouse drama right here. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm insulted I even followed you and I once thought you was a black intellectual. Like, if you go spend weeks on this gossip, like, because either way it goes, how does this benefit me? Or how does this benefit the collective, I should say? Or how does this enlighten the collective? Like, what lessons can you pull? What lessons can you really pull from Gail and Snoop Dogg drama? <laughs> Not a one. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get the lesson? You didn't get the lesson? I ain't gonna know a goddamn thing. And you know, at the same time, at the same time, Donald Trump is attacking SSIR and benefits. That's like, I don't care about Snoop. Donald Trump is gonna take away my SSIR. Right, well, let's let if, if you want to have the larger context, this is how you frame the context. If you want to get people, because you know, in order to get people not to pay attention, you have to you have to give them like intellectual shock treatment. Like you have to take a taser to the, the to the to the medulla that bad. It's here. Here's reality. In 1937, between 1937 and 1939-40, <laughs> prior to prior to throwing Jews and taking all of them. They wiped out two million people with disabilities. Silence. If you think and and so, and, but if you say something negative about the Jewish state to a politician who's a Democrat, who's a diehard Jewish supporter, they will cut you off at the knees. But they will miss the larger point that you still, as as hard as you are defending Jews, there are sixty million people in this country with disabilities who suffer just as much as those, who are suffering as much now in your own version of concentration camps because you have substandard home and community-based care, but you don't want to have that discussion. And don't put an accent or any kind of melanin in it because then we might as well just cook you in the oven like a hot pocket anyway. So I don't want to eat it again. So when I see my man just put up this picture, it was like, I'll support Bernie, hooray. Well, of course you are, because none of you all are willing to get off of, you know, if you're going to be a revolutionary, that means you can't do the same thing. You can't, you can't say, I'm going to be a revolutionary, run as a Democrat. I'm going to be a progressive and run as a Democrat. We are facing a pandemic, and no candidate has said, this is the sole reason we need universal comprehensive 
national health. They're talking about what we're, we're going to do. Chuck Schumer making promises that Medicaid will be able to pay for the vaccine if it comes along so your cripple ass don't die. That's not reassuring, Chuck. Like, so, so I'm going to have to wait for you to get consensus to pass legislation to say that Medicaid should be able to buy a vaccine so the people of the United States don't die. I, how, how are they running the country? How? Yeah. Because in order for them to do it, somebody has to keep them in power because they are seeing that there's a personal benefit in for them. Okay, Keith, let the Keith, I want to give you some space to, to, to talk about it. Um, we're coming to the end, I think. But um, yeah, I want to give you space. Yeah. So Latif. Get that inspiration. Porn is addicting to these temporary able-bodied people, Keith. They're like us inspiring them. And speaking of concentration camps, fascism is on the rise in this country. And that means we as black disabled people are more in danger as people become more reactionary in their politics and actions. Mm. So true. So true. I want to go around one time to, you know, give your last thoughts on black ableism and what, what we can do. You know, we talked about the problems, you know, what we can do. So, um, who, who, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go. Okay, good. Um, we would never have a truly humane system because to have a truly humane system means the establishment as a whole will fall. For me, it's built off of inhumanity, be it sexism, be it ableism, be it racism. If all of those things go, the establishment goes. So I think one of the biggest things we could do to at least alleviate some of the problems, maybe not kill it, is to distinguish what is black culture and what isn't. To distinguish the separation between what we created as a people versus what was implanted in us from slavery and from our ongoing colonialism or exploitation, I should say. Keith, you, you, you want to go? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, the solution is, the solution is, is complexly simple or simply complex. Let me say it, let me say it that way. Um, the complexity is that you're dealing with humans that have been socially engineered, whether, whether, whether they are on the spectrum. And so, when people talk about decolonizing the mind, that, that you know, the, the depth and the nuance that we need to really do that over the long term, it has to be a dedicated, concerted effort, which means that, you know, you know how, how do you get an addict to get clean? They have first, in order to, to deal with the problem, you first have to admit BC. the problem, right? So if you're not admitting, so, if you don't see my humanity as valuable to even have the discussion about why I'm not at the table, 
we're not even going to get to the point where fixing black ableism is possible. So the one of the major solutions is starting and you know is working from the same way out, right? Like so, I got brothers, I got cousins, I got nieces, right? So us being visible and being out and just being black, we have but we have a different kind of way of working with it. Um, but in terms of the larger scale social justice issue about black ableism and how it plays into what we have been talking about moving forward. We, again, as we say every time, we are asking people to do something that they are not going to do. They're not going to do it because they don't see a benefit or, and or gain in it personally for them. You know this in terms of, in terms of social justice work when it comes to people with disabilities. The vast majority of people in the disability rights movement are people that have a direct personal connection to somebody, and it's usually very disability specific. There's very few crossovers, or, it's, or the proportion is not as much as it should be. So a very tangible first step is to issue a challenge. Not, not, you know, and not like, yo, I'm going to meet you in the back and fuck you up. But like, it's, you know, Here's a call to here's a call to black intellectuals and black politicians and politicians of people of color. Are you ever going to talk about disability in a true meaningful fashion? And 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 not and of course you know the answer. But you put it in, but you put it in the ethos in order for it to be out there. So when you start bringing us the solutions and putting them into play, that they can't act stupid. Because again, we're dealing with people <laughs> who are intellectuals. So um, I'm thinking that, you know, the practical solution is we have to be the change and that we have to inspire the generations underneath us that, yes, it's rough now, but by the time you get to where we are, you hopefully if we do it right, you shouldn't have a problem. Okay, Latif, you, you, you want to go or should I go? Should I go? Okay, let me go. Uh, I think I think we all said it, you know, from to Keith, you know, we all said it. We've been saying for 52 years or whatever years that we've been on this earth. And, and I have to say that, you know, we're doing it. You know, it's, it's not a large national campaign. And I think our activism has changed over the decades. So, you know, um, you know, you know, um, trying to look for a national one leader. Those those days been gone. You know, we we, we had to really um, uplift. You know, people on the ground that's doing it. I was involved with Detroit Black Disabled Open Forum a couple of days ago. The first one of its kind, and they just did it. And waiting for a Ford Foundation grant to come through, they did it, you know. You know, I can go through all of us. You know, Otis, you're doing your art. You know, keep it running for president, so we're doing it. So, you know, like like Keith says, you know, we, we, we are the answer. And I, I just, you know, there's just really headaches constantly because we're dealing with... <laughs> Intellectuals that just don't get it, you know. I mean, Eric, Eric Dyson just like blew, blew me off at the DMC, you know, you know, whatever. 
you know, we're still putting out artwork, artwork and still doing events and yeah. You know, we we we're still doing us, so that's you know, that's 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 all we that's all we can do. And we we can point out things when when things are not right, you know. I just I just say no to this award because they had racist fucking history toward me and the black community. And I was like, you know, F your award, you know. But you know, a, a lot of black activists won't do that. They just like to collect awards and collect grants and climb that ladder. That's me, Latif. You got the last word. <laughs> and thank you, people. Thank you. This this is this is incredible talk. And you know, I've been getting feedback, and and people are just waiting for this for this talk to go up. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so much so much for my candidates here. <laughs> I just wanna say Leroy one last thing. Like you turning down that award, that's the stuff we need to celebrate as black history. Because as far as pronounced, the only thing promotion and awards and accolades do uh-huh. is reinforce your involvement in the establishment. And that's what a lot of quote black leaders do. They got awards, so we celebrate them. Although their interests go completely against the collective interests. But hey, they got nominated. So that's the stuff we need to celebrate. So I commend you. Thank you. Latif, take it away. We need more education, as I said before, and we need to sit people down and explain that ableism is a reality. And I think that be, maybe we need to be more visible in critiquing these black leaders and scholars. Yes. Yes, yes. I want, I want, I want to say that Latif and I, you talk, you talk about putting it to the test. Latif and I on Wednesday are going to walk into a black bookstore with our new books and say, hey, are you down to having an event here? Now that's putting the black establishment to the test in their face. It's the same bookstore that said no to me and Gay Greg when I had my own nonprofit word just say people cut it in the nineties. What? So we're gonna go back to the same black bookstore with our new books and say, hey, these are new books. And we want an event in your black bookstore. So just wait, and we'll, we'll put out the results. But we're once again testing the, our black establishment with our art, writing, and our disability. So, yeah. So, any last words before I turn this off? Thank you once again. This has been great. Deuces, man. Deuces. So let's go get it. Let's go get it. All right. Otis, any last words? No, family. I think I'm good. Like I said, I really commend you on standing on your principles. I know more of us did that during this 2020 election. (laughs) 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 More of us did that during this 2020 election. (laughs) Man, you already know. 
This is awesome that we have more time to discuss this important issue, and I am happy to be a part of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get it. All right, people. Much love. And I will let, let you know when this goes out. True. 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 All right. Oh, one, one more thing. We got a venue for our black disabled Comic Con with our show. Okay, that's what's up. Yes. It's about to go down. Yeah. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Good night, people. Peace. Peace. Peace.